my sweet friends. I feel so fortunate that you're joining me for season two of the Failing Awesomely podcast. My hope is that you can find encouragement while listening to my personal stories of overcoming life's obstacles, whether you're chasing big dreams or just trying to make it through the day as a mama of little ones. I'm excited to bring my friends along to inspire you with their stories as well. Let's empower one another to stop selling ourselves short, stop the negative self-talk, and focus on what makes us awesome, because we all are. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, and it's time we start believing that. nervous right now to share this story. Um, If you listened to the last couple of episodes, I prepped this episode by saying that I was going to be sharing my story of a time a long time ago, about 13 and a half years ago, when I was sexually assaulted. And this story is something that God has been pretty clear about that he's ready for me to share. I believe that that means that somebody listening to this needs to hear it. And if it's meant to be helpful to that person, or maybe it's more than one, I'm ready to be obedient to the Lord and share it. I have shared this story once before, other than to a few very close friends and family members. I have shared this story once before. And I was, I remember being nervous, but not like I am now. And I think the difference is I was giving a message and talking about my story to this, uh, a young adult group at my church. And I I think part of it was of course I was I was nervous to tell my story but I barely knew any of the people there other than the youth pastors I knew them pretty well but other than them most of most of the young adults there didn't really know me that well I didn't have a long history with them and I, I was so happy to be able to help two of the girls in that group who had also experienced their own stories of sexual assault and just felt so alone in that. So I was, I was so grateful to God that he led me to share my story with them so that I could be of some help, even in just the camaraderie. I mean, I hate saying that word when it comes to being a victim of sex of sexual assault, but it it kind of is this club that you don't want to be a part of, but you feel a lot less alone when you hear about somebody else who it's happened to them too. And that's what I'm doing today. That's what I'm doing right now. But this is going to be recorded <laughs> and put out for a lot of friends and family who have either known me all my life or have known me a really long time or know me in so many other ways, you know, anybody can access this podcast episode and listen to it. So 
that's the difference and that is what makes me very nervous um but it needs it needs to be heard it needs to be said I do want to prepare any parents out there that might be listening to this that if you are with your children right now I I'm not going to go into any major detail of the actual assault but I still think that this is an episode that you probably want to save for when you can listen to it on your own. Um, But I do, that being said, I do encourage you if you have a teenage son or daughter, I would encourage you to maybe listen to this yourself and see how you think your child might respond to hearing it you know the level of maturity in your child and if they would be prepared for this or not I do think that this would be an important message for them to hear before graduating high school and going into the world either going to college or going into the workforce and just going into adulthood and I guess just being aware, self-aware, you know, because anybody can be victims of sexual assault. Men and women and men and women can find themselves in the situation of going down a wrong path and just letting the enemy consume them in sexual sin. I'm not trying to place the blame on men alone. But I think it's important for your sons to listen to this so that they know what is right and wrong. (laughs) They, you know, I think we're doing a better job of teaching our kids about consensual sex, but it's an important topic. And if you're too nervous or scared to talk to your son or daughter about this, I'm not sure how great of a job I'm going to do, but I would do my best. If this is your first time tuning in to the Failing Awesomely podcast, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is my personal story. And like I said before, I just feel that God has led me to share it now. This is the time. So I'm going to be obedient and do it now. I am Lindsay Garcia. This is my show, The Failing Awesomely Podcast. I hope that you tune in to previous episodes and subscribe and go on this journey with me, hearing my own personal stories of struggle and failures in all shapes and forms, in all areas of life, and my friends as well that I'm bringing on the show. So thank you for tuning in and I appreciate you just giving me grace in how I'm how I might present this story because like I said I'm I'm a little nervous. So in August of 2007 I was filming a reality TV show for Fox and it was called Nashville. If you don't remember there being a show called Nashville it's because nobody saw it (laughs) Um, it did air two episodes aired but then they canceled the show so we spent all summer of 2007 filming the show and nobody really watched it 
But I met some great friends that are still are lifelong friends, still some of my some of my great friends. Um, but this this was the summer that we were filming this show, and I had just broken up with my boyfriend, and I remember it was awful because I had broken up with him privately, but because we were contractually obligated to share our lives on camera, I had to break up with him again on camera. It was terrible. So that had just happened. And my friend Sarah, who I did the reality show with, I asked her to come to this party with me that some of my coworkers were throwing on a lake outside of Nashville. And for anybody who doesn't know, I used to live in Nashville, Tennessee for seven and a half years. Go back to the first two episodes of this whole podcast and you'll hear my whole story about my life in the music business. But I invited my friend Sarah to go to the lake, this lake party with me. I used to, while I was filming this reality show and I was doing a lot of demo work, I was singing backup, just trying to get my face out there, trying to get my voice heard. But to make money, I was bartending. And then I had this reality show on top of it. So my my coworkers were my bartending friends, my, my bartending coworkers. And we went to this party on the lake. It was maybe about 10 of us. Um, half of them I knew, half of them I worked with, half of them I did not know. So we get on this boat, do introductions. We're drinking. We're having a great time. I'm 21 at the time, so... As you can imagine, I'm acting like a typical 21-year-old. We drank all day in the hot sun. It was fun. We start to go back to the lake house when the sun is going down. And by the time we get back to the dock, or close to the dock, I should say, the sun was down. It was dark outside. And my buddy, who had invited us, said, who wants to jump in the water and swim to the dock? course me I'm like I will so I jump in the water and my friend jumps in too but he jumped in exactly where I did right after me so he landed on top of me and his body weight even though we were right in the water his body all of his body weight went on my hip and it hurt really bad so he he knew what he did. He felt awful. He pulled me up back up onto the boat and I was in so much pain. And one of the guys on the boat happened to be a nurse at Vanderbilt Hospital and in Nashville. And he said, let's dock. I'll take her in. He picked me up. He ran inside. He took me into one of the bedrooms and he checked me out and said, you know what? I think you're going to be fine. I think you're just going to wake up with a really, really, really big bruise tomorrow. Nothing seems broken. Everything seems okay. Maybe you should just take some, you know, a pain reliever or something and go to bed. 
And he said, you can stay in this room. This room is fine. You'll be fine. He was so kind. He was so helpful. He was not somebody who seemed threatening at all. And I felt safe. I felt like I could I could trust. I, I knew my friends that he was a mutual friend of I, I did not know him. I did not talk to him at all at any other time other than this interaction. I had I, I don't believe that I talked to him. I know I didn't talk to him once the whole time we were on the boat. But I, w- I was very, very thankful that he was there to make sure that I didn't break my hip. So I went to sleep. And as you can imagine, because I had been drinking all day, I passed out. And I woke up to this man on top of me. And like I said earlier, I'm not going to go into any detail because one, I can't. And two, I, I kind of think that's irrelevant for the story. I think everybody can imagine what was happening. And I just remember not even being coherent. I mean, I was so passed out asleep in a deep, drunken sleep. And I had no idea what was happening or who it was. It took me a little bit to fully become coherent and figure out what was happening and who this person was. And when I figured it out, I could not believe that the man who had helped me, the man who was a nurse at a very... I don't know if prestigious is the word, but it's it's a really well-known, great hospital. How, why was this happening? I didn't do anything to give him any hints that I was at all interested. No matter what, even if I had flirted with him on the boat all day long, I did not give consent in any way, shape, or form for him to do what he did. But even even then, I never once, other than saying, thank you so much for helping me, I didn't do anything to give him any indication that I was interested or that that would at all be okay. I immediately got up and ran out of the room, ran outside, because I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't believe that that had just happened to me. And I was nervous and scared. I didn't know. I didn't think he was going to hurt me, but I didn't know. Like physically harm me, but I didn't know. And he did come after me. To I mean, all I remember is I was standing outside and realized... I don't have a car here and it's really not safe to drive anyway. And he was standing in the doorway just looking at me. And I went through, this was kind of a large lake house. So I went, I found a way inside another way and I just was going through all the bedrooms trying to find my friend. 
I finally found her and I said, we've got to get out of here. She actually ended up driving. I don't know if she should have. So I'm not trying to promote, you know, driving while under the influence. But I couldn't drive, period. Even though I actually felt very alert and sober because of what just happened, I just I could not get behind a vehicle in the state that I was in but I I had to go I had to leave that house so she got up without even really knowing why she was like okay okay we'll go and we left and went back to Nashville and I told her what had just happened a few weeks to a month later I ended up going to a clinic in Nashville to get STD tests because I I don't know if he used protection. I don't know. I knew nothing. And I wanted to make sure that I was okay. Um, I actually got more than those tests done. So I that was my first time that I got STD tests. And then I waited another three months. And I got more testing done. And then I w- waited another three months and got more testing done. Because... I went down a Google train of when do you know that you have an STD? And I didn't have any symptoms of one, but I was so terrified and scared of the possibility of having an STD from this guy. So everything came out fine. Thank the good Lord. But it was still traumatic. But I tried to just push it out of my mind. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, you you hear about these stories and you wonder, well, did they go to the police? Did they, what did they do about it? Why did they just go about their lives like it didn't happen? And I even thought of that when I heard of these kind of stories, you know, I've, I've obviously knew that something like that could happen. I have heard, had heard stories of sexual assault, rape, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't like the R word, even if, you know, being what it is, I, I, sexual assault is a is a is a phrase I'm comfortable with using but um there's a lot of people I can understand because this is exactly what I did you just want to forget about it you just want to pretend like it didn't happen and move on with your life especially when you're 21 22 and for me that's what I felt like I needed to do. I just needed to pretend like it didn't happen. I remember when I when I went to get my initial STD test done, the woman said to me, because she, she was making sure I was okay, obviously checking on my mental and emotional health and not just my physical health. And she said, you know that you do not need to count him as someone who, who you have had sex with like that he does not count and I remember being so grateful that she said that because it felt like that was my permission to just erase that incident 
like it never even happened. And that's what I did. And that's how I, I went about my life. And there, there is a part of me over the years that kicked myself because I thought, well, did he do it again? Had he done it before? This man is a nurse at a hospital. Like he takes care of people. And he's in the medical field. It just, it really did blow my mind. And really just brought to light that anybody is capable of anything. Just because you think someone looks nice, like they look like they'd be a nice person. They have a job that is meant to help people you you don't know their heart, you don't know their sin, you don't know their temptation, you don't know anything. And there is a huge part of me that wishes I would have done something about it, that I would have done something more. And I thought about that mostly because I didn't want it to happen to anybody else. But being as young as I was and selfishly just wanting it to go away, that was enough for me to just pretend like it didn't happen and be done with it. It, Work was weird for a little while because my buddy who had invited us to the party knew what had happened and he apologized to me. But the guy who did it was also his friend And I remember he never justified his friend's actions. He never did. But I also know that he felt like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do about this. And I kind of let him off the hook by basically saying, I just want to forget about it. I don't want to ever see him again don't ever invite me to anything again but I just want to pretend like it never happened and that's how we went about life at work like it never happened but that is not the end of the story and this part of the story is going to be really tough for me to tell and I'm obviously not going to mention any real names or you know I okay I'm going to tell this part of the story but just know there is a happier ending in a way. I'm sorry. This is this is probably the most difficult part of the story to tell. Um my one of my best friends at the time. Oh. Um I guess this would have been 8 or 9 months after the incident. And my my friend 
was talking to me about how her friends who she went to college with were were trying to hook her up. They were trying to pair her because all of her friends, I mean, we're, we're 21, 22, and her friends from college were getting engaged to their college sweethearts. Like they were getting engaged. They, they were planning weddings and they wanted my, my best friend to have that too. They wanted her to find her person. And so they, they wanted to set her up with this guy and she was going to be going on a somewhat blind date with this guy, but she, I guess they either had him or had, I guess they had him message her on Facebook. And at this time, Facebook was still pretty new, like a few years old, but she showed me on her laptop his profile and I kid you not it was the guy and keep in mind that until this point I didn't even know his name I did not remember his name I was introduced to him on the boat but I did not know his name after the incident after we left and that was I I should have said this before that was another reason that I didn't try to do anything about it. Obviously, I could have figured out his name. I could have asked the people that I worked with. I there there were things that I could have done, but not knowing who that person was was another excuse to not go to the authorities or press any charges or 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 do anything about it. But I'm staring at this Facebook profile and it's him. It's him. And I dropped her laptop. I just, it just, I was so shocked. And I said to her, that's him. That's the guy. That is the guy who I told you about and and she knew who I meant. I didn't have to go into any other detail because she was she was one of my best friends at the time. So she knew right away when it happened that it happened. And at the time of the incident, she was very much there for me. Um, she did everything that a best friend would do. But when I told her that the the guy that her friends were trying to set her up with was the man that sexually assaulted me. Her reaction was not what you'd think it would be. She had told me, and this, keep in mind that I'm, I'm trying to share the short version of this. So my friend did not just start blurting out these things but how the conversation ended up was that she told me that because I was drunk that I was it was partially my fault that of course he shouldn't have done that 
but I can't I was I was at fault as well because I made the choice to get drunk and fall asleep there she then told me that it had happened to her before she had been sexually assaulted after a drunken night being passed out somewhere too more than once and all of her friends in college the same things happened to them and that's just what guys do when girls pass out drunk and make bad decisions and I remember being so upset and so hurt but the emotion that I remember feeling more than anything was I felt so sorry for her that she thought that we as women or men that the victims are at all to blame simply because we had alcohol that does not give anybody the right to do with your body what they wish and I felt so badly that she thought so little of herself to think that it was her fault that that happened to her and her friends and therefore put that on me to try to make me feel like well to try to make me feel like I was a part of that club now too that I made a bad decision so therefore the consequence was another drunk person took advantage of me it is never okay there is no situation no matter how you spin it where having sex with someone who does not tell you with their words that yes I want to have sex right now with you if that does not happen it is not okay period enough said I don't have to go any further with that but as you can imagine that made the situation so much worse so much worse that was my best friend and she did not go on the date with that guy I did find that out but it did ruin our friendship for about three years I think three or four years we were no longer friends and then we got together three or four years later and went out to dinner and she gave me a very sincere apology about what she said and and how messed up that it was that she thought that way at this point she had become a mom um to a, a beautiful little girl and I really think I can imagine that having a daughter of your own really changes your perspective on something like that and the severity of that and thinking about if that would happen to your daughter she is a wonderful 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 wife and mother 
to four kids, one on the way. She is someone who is so loving and giving of herself and a just a beautiful human being now. So that's why, and I know I haven't given her name, but that's why this part of the story was so hard for me to tell because that is not who she is. And I didn't want anybody to hear this story and think, you know, oh my gosh, like, how could you do that to your best friend? How could you, how could you think that? But then how could you do that to your best friend? Like, I just, I don't want anybody thinking negatively of this person, whether you know them or not. You know, it's it's just a hard part of the story to tell because it's been 13 years and they are, you know, she, she is just a, a totally different person and she has been for years. She's an amazing mom. So the, the beautiful part of the story is that that friendship was mended and I am grateful for that. No matter the hurt, you know, forgiveness is always the way to go. Even if she never would have asked for forgiveness and apologized the way that she did, I, I still would have extended, I still hope that I would have extended that forgiveness to her at some point because it's so important in healing from a traumatic experience like that that you forgive. And I have forgiven him too because one of the things I have thought about a lot through the years and I don't think about it that often I really don't but when I have thought about it I thought to myself man how sad and lonely and confused must you be to think that in order to be satisfied in some way you you need to take it from somebody else how little must he have thought of himself that he couldn't it wasn't worth it to build a consensual sexual relationship with somebody he needed to just take it and I think that's so sad and I I think of how how much he must have and maybe he still does I have no idea how much he must have lacked confidence and self-respect and respect of others to do that and I, I pray I really do pray Lord that he did not continue to do that to anybody else and I do forgive him I do God can, he's one, he's amazing. He's so wonderful. No matter what we go through, if we turn to God and give him our hardships, give him our trauma, give him our suffering, he can turn it around and he can use it 
for good. He can use it to help somebody else. And that's what he's doing now 13 years later. That's what he did back in 2018 when I gave this message to a bunch of young adults. You know, 11 years. 11, yeah, 11 years after the incident. He can always, always use your sufferings for his good if you let him. And I love this verse in Isaiah 43. It says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So there is no guilt. There is no shame when this happens. There is trauma. There is confusion. There's a lot that I don't understand. But I know God is good. And I know that we live in a fallen world full of sin. And I'm telling you, if you are listening to this, and you are someone who has experienced some form of my story, some form of sexual assault, you are not alone. It is not your fault. God loves you so much. And if you're holding on to hurt and pain from an experience like that, he wants you to give it to him. He wants you to release that burden on to him. Say, God, take it. Take this from me, please. I don't want it anymore. I don't want to carry it anymore. He sent his son to die on a cross for the sins of the world. If we believe in him, we will be saved saved and have eternal life. Take my yoke upon you, he says. It's easy and light. It's not this heavy, sinful crap that we have in this fleshy world. I wanted to say a bad word. I stopped myself. (laughs) Give it to God. Give everything to God. That's how your burden stays light. That's how you're able to walk through your life with peace. With any kind of peace. When you trust in the Lord and know that his will for your life is always perfect, is always true, is always righteous, that's what makes these times of suffering, I don't know if bearable is the right word to use, but when you have God and when you've, basically when you've walked through hardships, it's, it's just easier to continue to walk through hardships because if you're, if you are listening to this right now and you're like, man, I really haven't had a lot in my life that I've had to suffer through. I, I mean, I've had this and that and, you know, sure, people have hurt me. I've had really, been in really bad relationships and those have ended, but I really haven't gone through trauma or suffering or health problems or this or that. I'm, I say this, and I, I don't say this to scare anybody. I just say it because it's true. Uh, God just prepared me very early <laughs> for 
for how to deal with with suffering and pain and turmoil and trauma. We're all going to experience it in some way, shape, or form while here on this earth. It's just a matter of when. And if you lean on God now, if you lean on him and and prep for that storm, you're going to be equipped with what you need to not only get through it, but thrive on the other side and be able to help other people. And that's what I hope I did today. Guys, thank you so much for hanging in there with me and listening to my story. Please, if you know anybody who you think this message might help, share it with them. I would love that. All glory to God. Thank you guys. Go about this week giving everything to him. Release your burdens so that you can be light and free. Be well. Be awesome.